We want to praise the Lord for new life. Um, Ella Sanford was born last week, and she's home and doing well. Beautiful little girl. So our church is growing in many ways, and we are grateful for that. Always like that kind of growth. Um, so I want to share with you this morning about the reason that we no longer fear. And, you know, we live in a fearful world. It's a fearful place in which we live. All you have to do is listen to the news or look at a science journal or a medical journal. And uh, a lot of things to be fearful about, but we don't. If a person fears the Lord, then that takes care of it. We don't have to fear anything or anyone else because God is our provider. And I think the scriptures are very, very honest in the fact that he leads us through the difficulties. The difficulties are there. Everybody has them. The challenges, the threats, um, the doubts, the fears, everyone has them. And it's the, the grace and mercy of God that he is with us and walks through them with us. And so we learn about who he is. We learn about who we are. We learn about and we begin to grow in our faith because the relationship is strengthened as you go through difficult times. And so these are our learning things, times of discovery. And it was in such a time that Jesus Christ was born. It also was a fearful time, a time of political and social upheaval, a time of um, social problems and great oppression of many, many peoples. A time very much like ours. John the Baptist came as a forerunner to Jesus. You could kind of say that John the Baptist gathered the kindling that the fire of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus was the catalyst and it was set ablaze at Pentecost. And that's why he came. John understood this. I love what it says in John chapter 1. It says in verse 6, There was a man sent from God. His name was John. Fantastic statement. A man sent from God. And that agrees with the other gospel accounts. In the gospel of Luke, we have the account of the miraculous birth of John the Baptist preceding the even greater miraculous birth of Jesus himself. But God was able to work in a difficult situation, an impossible situation from human perspective, created life where there was none, which he's always been doing from the very beginning, from the very first day of creation. He began to create life where there was none because he is the God, the author of life. He's a creative God. And he continues to create even to the present day. And we are here because of that. So it tells us that, Luke tells us that John is going to be what, like one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. He's a tremendous transitional figure. Um, Luke, although he doesn't come out and say it specifically, he likens it very much, the birth of John the Baptist, to the birth of Samuel in the, the book of First Samuel. And he draws these parallels between, because Samuel was also a miraculous birth, and he also was this key transition figure that came to prepare the way for a shift in the relationship between Israel and God, 
a tremendous um, thing which he himself had done. So Samuel was a prophet. He was a priest. He was the last of the judges. He was an intercessor. He had a vow of a Nazarite. He anointed the first two kings of Israel. And so he was this key transition figure. When Luke begins to talk about John the Baptist, he tells us this guy is a key transition figure, even greater than Samuel. And he's going to tell us that um, John the Baptist is the Old Testament, the best of the Old Testament coming through and handing things over to Jesus Christ who ushers in the new. And so he talks about John, a man from God. He was a man that was conceived by a miracle of God through the work of the Holy Spirit in Elizabeth and Zechariah, his parents. And he sent an angelic messenger to proclaim, he says, this man's going to be, be great in the sight of the Lord. He will be with, filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now the great thing about John, the Baptist, is he didn't even wait to be born before he bore witness to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit working within him, he was still um, several months away. Elizabeth was six months pregnant when Mary, having received the same angelic messenger with an even greater message about the birth of her son, goes to visit her aunt. And so Elizabeth's here, six months pregnant. As soon as she sees Mary, before Mary has even had a chance to tell her anything, she says, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. So, John the Baptist, bearing witness to Jesus Christ before either one of them were ever even born. Holy Spirit filled that child from conception. And he filled his father and he filled his mother. And all three bearing witness to the coming person of Jesus Christ. That's a tremendous witness. Before he was born. How long have you been witnessing to Christ in your life? So the Lord comes, and he's preparing this man, a man sent from God. His name's John. He's fulfilling the Old Testament prophecies, the prophecies of Malachi that he would come in the spirit, the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to their children. And John did that. That was the prophecy that the angel gave to Zechariah. This is what he will do. He will fulfill everything that the Old Testament had promised 400 years earlier. And Jesus is that fulfillment. John is bearing witness in the spirit and power of Elijah. So it tells us that the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. And John 1, 15, John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. It's an unusual thing to say. He said it twice. Verse 15 and verse 31. 30. A man comes after me. He was before me. And he has surpassed me. John knew that because even in the womb he bore witness to this man. He wasn't the only one. The Old Testament says that Abraham, John tells us, the uh, Apostle John tells us in chapter 8, that Abraham rejoiced to see Jesus' day. He saw it. He longed to see it. He says Abraham saw it and rejoiced. In John chapter 12, the Apostle tells us that Isaiah saw Jesus, the glory of the Lord. We know from 1 Corinthians that Moses also saw the Lord and from Exodus 33 and 34. David also bears witness to him. And so Jesus becomes the root and the offspring of David, the source and the child of David, before and after, because he preexisted, as John tells us in John chapter 1. John is bearing witness to this. This is the man I told you who had come after me, who surpasses me. He was before me. And John knew that. So the thing about John was as he comes baptizing, preparing the way, it's a, a baptism of repentance to prepare a people that are ready to receive the coming of God's Son. And the Apostle John makes this statement, from the fullness of Christ's grace, we have all received one blessing after another. And we can all say amen to that this morning. From the fullness of His grace, we've all received one blessing after another. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so John comes. And the thing about John was even though he was Jesus' cousin, and even though he was older, as they're growing up together, I don't know if they saw each other often, I don't know if they were aware of, of one another, if they played together when they were young. We don't know those things. But we know that John was not fully aware of who his cousin really was. He knew him after a fashion. And so in John chapter 1, it says, John's testimony, when the Jews began to ask him who he was, why he was baptizing, why all these people were coming, um, he's confessing, I am not the Christ, not the Messiah. So they start asking him all these questions, and he says no to every one of them. And so they say, well, um, who are you then? And he says, I'm the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. So they said, well, why are you baptizing then? And he says, there's one among you. He's among you now. You do not know him, but he is here already. I'm come to prepare the way and to make him known. This happened at Bethany, where John, on the other side of the Jordan River, where John was baptizing. And the next day, Jesus comes to be baptized. And 
John's been baptizing lots of people. He's baptizing publicans, harlots, uh, thieves, murderers. He's baptizing these people. Um, and soldiers, people coming, asking what should we do? And he tells them what they should do. Show in your life there's been a change in your heart. Because one is coming who can make the change real. Jesus steps up and the same spirit that called John with him from before he was born says this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Awesome statement. This man walks up, he looks just like everybody else. But the Holy Spirit bore witness to John. And John knew. He knew because the witness of the Spirit proclaimed to him, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's John's testimony. He says, this is the one I meant when I said a man comes after me who has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was so that he might be revealed to Israel. And John says, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit comes down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John says, I have seen and I testify this is the Son of God. Now that's very clear, isn't it? So that's the witness of man. That's the Old Testament preparing and proclaiming. This is what everything in the Old Testament is about. It's proclaiming the birth of Jesus Christ. This is the one to come to fulfill what I've been preaching, John says. A baptism of repentance to new life. John can talk about repentance. Jesus can give the new life. And John saw it. And he recognized and he testified to it. A powerful, powerful testimony. But he wasn't the only one. God the Father is not going to let his son come into the world unannounced. So at his birth, the shepherds, the wise men, um, Gentiles and Jews, rich and poor, men and women, Simeon, Anna, these people coming with bearing witness to God because the Holy Spirit on them was bearing witness, this is the Son of God. As Christians, we know that, don't we? The moment we accept Christ as Savior, there is a witness in our spirit. And we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we have been born again, born of God. And our sins are forgiven and cleansed. And that's the reason that Jesus has come. The good news of the gospel is because of Christ's presence, our sins have washed away. And because our sins have been forgiven, we don't have to fear anymore. And so the fear has to do with sin. The only fear that's righteous is a fear of God. And if we have the fear of God, he deals with all the rest. And that's why Jesus came. And so the Old Testament bears witness. And these guys in the Old Testament were called the friends of God. I love that. And so as you see Old Testament and go into the New Testament, Abraham called the friend of God. 
God wanted him to know what he was doing with Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? I want, to, I want my friends to know what I'm doing, why this is coming, what it all means. And so he tells them, and that's what he's done all through the Old Testament, telling his friends and servants, the prophets. And the good news is, according to the two Gospels, Jesus was called a friend of publicans and sinners. Gives me hope. Gives me hope. And then in John 15, he tells his closest disciples there, I'm not calling you servants anymore. Servant just does what he's told without knowing why or what it's all about. I've called you friends. I want you to know. I want you not only to know, but to participate, to be a part of what I'm doing. And that's the invitation that he gives to all of us, to be his friends, to know what he's doing and why, so that we don't live in fear and we can trust God for the present. And that's why he spoke prophetically throughout the Old Testament. He was letting people know what was coming so that they would know how to pray and what to do in the present. And that's the purpose of it all. Because how we live in the present helps determine what the future will be for us individually, for our families, for our community, for our country. It starts here with us in our relationship with God. And if we know what he's doing, then we know how to pray and we can pray with confidence and with authority because it's the Holy Spirit praying in us and through us. It's that same Holy Spirit that was speaking to John the Baptist saying, this is the Lamb of God. And I see and have testified. So God continued his testimony at the birth of Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove so they could recognize what was happening. That dove was there for you and for me. Jesus didn't need it. He knew who he was. And he knew what God was imparting to him on that day. The dove was for you and for me. Just like the empty tomb, the, the stone was rolled away. It wasn't for Jesus so he could get out. That wasn't the problem. It was so that we could see inside that the stone, that the stone could not hold him and that that grave was empty. So at the same way, the Holy Spirit came down in the form of a, of a dove so that people were recognizing. And God had told John ahead of time, the one that, on whom you see the Spirit descending and staying on him, this is God's Son. John says, I saw that. I'm testifying. He's the Lamb of God. He is the Son of God. He's here to take away your sin and mine. And so John was protesting, uh, I need to be baptized by you as do we all. It's not the water that washes away our sin. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. The water's there to witness to us and to be a public testimony. But it's the blood that cleanses us. And apart from the blood, the water will do nothing except get us wet. So, Holy Spirit came down as a dove the voice of God the Father proclaiming so that people could hear, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, all present at the baptism of Jesus Christ. 
all three, active, initiating the process of your salvation and mine, all three with us today, one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, working with us, changing us, working through us. We need to remember, Father, God the Father is the one who loves us. And he loves us so much that he sent part of himself in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to take your sin and mine upon himself. Because from the very beginning, God had told Adam, the wages of sin is death. You sin and you will die. And we're all familiar with that part. And the promise of God is that there is one coming who will bruise the serpent's head and bring victory for us all. This one is Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit comes. He's the one who is witnessing to the word through the Old Testaments, prophets. He's the one who continues to witness to the word in your life and mine through the New Testament prophets. He's the one who confirms to us that we have been born again. He's the one who effects the transformation in our lives. He's the one who gives the gifts and produces the fruit within our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He takes of what belongs to Jesus and he makes it ours. Not just information, transformation. And that's why he's come. The Father didn't just speak then, but he also spoke at the transfiguration. This was the, the major change in the ministry of Jesus Christ. He appears to the disciples. He's talking with them. Uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asks who they think he is, who people are saying, and they tell him the prophets and all of that, and he asks them who they think he is. And this same Holy Spirit who bore witness through John the Baptist speaks through Peter, and he says, you are the Son of God. And Jesus affirmed that. You're blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the Spirit of God. A few days later, three of the disciples, Peter, James, and John, were with Jesus on the mountain of what we've come to call the mountain of transfiguration. And Jesus was transformed, changed. The veil was pulled away like Moses um, in the cleft of the rock to see the glory of God. Moses, Old Testament, got to see God's back. Peter, James, and John got to see Jesus face to face and the glory of God shining in him and through him. Not a reflection like Moses was, but the source. And they were overawed by that. Didn't know what to do. So usually what happens is if you have something going on and you're not sure what to do, there's usually somebody who's going to stand up and do something. <laughs> now, it's not always the right thing to do, or they're going to speak up and say something, and it's not always the right thing to say. But they're going to do something. And Peter was one of these guys. He was very impetuous. Uh, he spoke up. A lot of times he acted on impulse at, at the wrong time, in the wrong way. He blurted out what was in his mind at the time without thinking. Um, the, uh, the words passed through the mouth before it passed through the brain. And um, this is one of those times. And God himself 
provides the correction this time. This is my son. Listen to him. It's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, it was a time to speak. When Peter, James, and John saw Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, it was a time to be quiet. Holy Spirit is the one who teaches us those times. So as Christians, we need to be sensitive to that, to know when to speak and when to be quiet. That's part of the wisdom of God and the discernment of the times and the situation. The Holy Spirit knows we don't. And so we need to be sensitive to his leading and guidance. John was. And then just before his death, in John chapter 12, um, the voice of God was heard once again. Uh, the Greeks have come and Jesus is ready because the, the next few days is when the whole process of the crucifixion is going to start taking place. And he's preparing himself for it. And, and um, this is what Jesus says. Now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? And you remember in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, this is what Jesus said. My heart is greatly troubled. He had uh, told the disciples earlier in John 14, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So Jesus is troubled because, so that you don't have to be. Old Testament puts it this way, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And so that's what he's doing. Now my heart is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it, said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to them. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. And so God is giving his testimony, the Father, so that we will know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness. The Father is making a proclamation. The testimony of God the Father, the testimony of spirit-filled men and women as you go through the life of Christ. And Jesus himself being the Word of God who brings salvation to us. And John understood it correctly. I baptize you with water. But there's one who's coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And on the day of Pentecost, that was fulfilled. Men and women, um, 120 people, proclaiming... Uh, New birth in Christ Jesus. This Jesus who you crucified, the Lord has made both Lord and Christ. He's alive. We've seen it. And they, like John, says, I saw and bear witness. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Let's pray. Father, you are the Lamb of God. You take away the sins of the world even ours. And because of that, because our sins have been cleansed, bought, paid for through the blood of Christ, 
The moment we come before you confessing, repenting, laying our lives open before you, your spirit ministers that grace, the blood of Christ to us, and a transformation begins. And we have the opportunity to be born again sons and daughters of the living God. Lord, you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and we add our testimony to that of John's, the Lamb of God. Amen. Our church believes uh, we have communion every Sunday. It's a reminder of what God has done for us through the person of his Son. It's an invitation that Christ himself gives to all people. Um, If we can come and we can partake of the sacrifice that he paid for us. It's not for perfect people, otherwise nobody would come. None of us could come. Um, The people who ate that first meal were the people who were going to deny him, people who were going to betray him, people who were going to turn their back upon him. Um, Some out of bad motives, others simply out of fear, some out of confusion and doubt. But Jesus knew, and he loved them anyway, and he says, this is the reason for this meal. And this is the point where the transformation begins. When you let go of these things at the feet of Christ and he gives his life for ours, his peace for our fear and doubt confusion, his righteousness for our sinfulness. And he gives the invitation to anyone can come. And so as a church, we give also our invitation to that. Uh, Everyone is welcome at this table. Uh, don't feel pressured. Uh, you're not obligated to come. Nobody's going to think anything. If you want to come, you are more than welcome. If you don't want to come, you don't have to. That's between you and God. It's us hearing the Holy Spirit speaking to us and coming and receiving from Him that which we need. And as we surrender more and more of ourselves, we receive more and more of His grace into our hearts and lives so that we can live each day, day by day, walking with him. Some of these people had walked with Jesus for a long time. Uh, Some of them had seen him grow up as a child. They saw an ordinary um, Israeli boy growing up. He looked like everybody else. Outward appearances, uh, there was very little that would um, call attention to him. But those who had the Spirit of God within them, when they saw, they understood because the Spirit was bearing witness to who Jesus was. And so as, as we come before the Lord today, it's not who we are, it's who he is. So what do you see? Who do you see today when you look at Jesus Christ? Who do you see? Do you see the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, even yours, even mine, takes away our fears, our doubt, our shame, our sorrow, our grief? That's what he is. That's who he is, and he has not changed, and he is here among us. We are the body of Christ, you and I, because through the Spirit of God, Christ lives within us. And so as we come before him, we receive what he died to give us, and we are changed and transformed. If we're not changed, we haven't met him. And there's a big difference between knowing about him and knowing him. What he invites us is into his presence to know him as he really is. 
Once we get that, then we change because he works that change within us. Will those who are serving communion please come forward?